Hello and welcome back to another episode of the TNMT Audio Briefing. I'm your host Leonard and as always it's a pleasure to have you with us as we delve deep into the tech trends shaping the future of the travel and mobility tech sphere. Today we'll be covering another fascinating path in our ongoing research series titled The Great Inversion. For those of you who might need a slight refresher, let's quickly recap what this means for our industry. Imagine a world where the heartbeat of the travel and mobility industry isn't driven solely by tangible assets like airplane seats or hotel rooms. Instead, it thrives on a rhythm that's dictated by the consumers, by us. This is what the Great Inversion talks about, a shift from a supply push industry towards one that's defined by consumer-driven dynamics, a reorientation of the value chain, if you will. We have already sailed through three significant trends that are shaping this inversion. Number one was communities that define demand. In this landscape, niche communities are no longer just passive observers. They are actively molding the demand, urging the industry to craft innovative, tailor-made solutions. Number two was all about advanced means. What does it mean? Travel isn't just about physically relocating anymore. There's a growing array of use cases that's challenging the traditional perception of travel. The concept of Trip 3, for example, pushes the boundaries of what we have previously imagined as travel. And then thirdly, there was embedded travel. Gone are the days where you'd get inspired to travel from one source and then switch to another to book thanks to the seamless integration of technology and the power of social media. Inspiration and booking are converging, opening new doors in the industry. And this brings us to our topic of the day, our fourth trend which we call from transactional to relational. In essence, it means moving away from one-time interactions and venturing into lasting, value-rich relationships. To decode this trend, I'm thrilled to introduce our guest for today, Tian Wen. Tian Wen is the mastermind behind this research, and over the next few minutes, we are set to uncover the depth and the potential of this pivotal shift in our industry. Great, we made it. Hey, Tian Wen, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Leonard. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we dive in, can you provide our listeners with a very quick executive summary of the trend, you know, almost like an elevator pitch to help us get going? Certainly, Leonard. So our transition from transactional to relational revolves around a critical re-evaluation of loyalty's definition and nature within travel. The traditional tools for fostering loyalty, think of frequent flyer programs, for example, are revealing their cracks, appearing less influential than before. Let's lean on some hard facts. A 2023 airport dimension survey showed a drop in frequent flyer program participation down from 66% in 2019 to just 52% in 2023. Data from McKinsey in 2018 also unveiled that a staggering 30 trillion frequent flyer miles were sitting idle in customer accounts. Adding to the narrative, the percentage of flights redeemed using miles among US legacy carriers has also slid from 9% to 7% over the last 10 years. This decline illustrates a painful reality. Loyalty programs, once seen as the bedrock to ensure repeat business, aren't delivering as hoped. Many travelers today seem to have an indifferent attitude towards these reward schemes. And there's a flip side for business. All those unused mouse, they're not just a dominant asset, but a looming liability. Companies then react by making it harder to derive value from these programs, further alienating their customers. And at the core of this issue, traditional loyalty schemes are by design transactional. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting how the numbers kind of underline this shift. So in your opinion, Tianwen, what's fundamentally problematic with the loyalty schemes of today beyond the decline in consumers turning away from them? In other words, what makes them transactional? So we are grappling with three core problems when it comes to these traditional schemes. For one, they have very limited touch points. So at the heart of all these traditional loyalty programs, they are overtly transactional. Customers mainly earn points through air ticket purchases, but think about it for a second. It's just a couple of interactions among countless that occur throughout an entire traveler's journey. This scarcity of touch points inadvertently creates an emotionally transactional relationship, and that puts us right in the middle of our second challenge. So point number two would be there's no personalization in these traditional schemes. This means that businesses are unable to truly know their customer. Airlines, because of these infrequent interactions, can't fully grasp a customer's travel preferences or desires, and that results in this classic loyalty programs finding themselves ill-equipped to genuinely personalize their offerings. Point number three, the lack of flexibility. So doubling down on these challenges, conventional loyalty structures are, let's put it this way, quite set in their ways. This rigidity is reflected in how travelers can utilize their points and what they can trade them in for. Mm -hmm. Case in point, PwC's 2023 Customer Loyalty Executive Survey pinpointed that both airline passengers and hotel guests place premium value on reward flexibility. Moreover, drawing from our own buy now pay later analysis that people can find on TMNT, it's evident that travellers are leaning into flexible payment avenues as well. In a nutshell, the contemporary traveller is on the hunt for more flexibility and truly personalised perks, moving away from cookie-cutter rewards that most mileage programmes dish out. Mm-hmm. And I think you have given us a pretty clear picture of the challenging that traditional loyalty schemes face today. Given all these hurdles, I mean, it's easy to criticize current loyalty schemes. What's more important is how do you suggest travel providers pivot or rather innovate? So to truly address these intricate challenges, which stand as both a roadblock and an opportunity for these loyalty programs to evolve, travel brands need to step out of the shadow of traditional models. So it's not just about the loyalty points anymore. It's also about establishing genuine, enduring relationships with travelers. The question then is, how do we actually navigate this new territory? I've broken this down into three fresh approaches towards fostering lasting relationships with travelers. All right, I'm keen to delve into these subtrends. Could we unpack them maybe step-by-step, one-by-one? Sure, Leonard. So let us start with the first subtrend, the relational trinity of travel. You see, in today's competitive digital realm, travel and mobility providers are being asked to wear many hats. Not only are they competing against a vast array of digital services to grab the attention of travelers, they're also battling against the evolving brand allegiance of younger generations. A recent OAG survey from April 2023 exposed that nearly half of millennials shifted their airline loyalty within a single year, a rate that doubles their Gen X counterparts. The answer to retaining and enticing this new wave of travelers lies in transcending beyond the realm of single-ticket sales. Instead, the emphasis is shifting to creating a continuous, deeper relationship with travelers, grounded in flexibility, personalization, and value. We have labeled this approach the relational trinity of travel, where the focus is on three pivotal anchors, payment, pricing, and products. Starting with relational products, these are essentially travel offerings that aren't bound by the confines of the single-ticket paradigm. Rather, they are tailored to establish an ongoing rapport with travelers by offering a blend of flexibility and value. For instance, Alaska Airlines introduced flight passes in 2022, providing subscribers with flight benefits at a monthly cost. 
And on a similar note, on trip, a, a startup based in Taiwan offers multi-day city passes that can help travelers save up to 60% on their travel expenses. Switching gears now to relational payments, the agenda for every travel provider should be to increase the frequency of touch points with consumers. That's where alternative and flexible payment methods come into the picture. These not only enhance traveler flexibility, but are also potent tools to building recurring engagement and allegiance. Take for instance, Fly Now Pay Later, a UK-based firm which allows travelers to break down their trip costs into feasible monthly installments. Uplift from the US operates on similar lines, offering interest-free plans to spread out purchase costs. Lastly, there's relational pricing, which is about moving away from static one-size-fits-all pricing to adopt more dynamic and innovative strategies. Think of it as pricing that's in tune with the traveler's impromptu preferences and behaviors. Companies like Bidroom have brought an element of competition into the hotel booking scene, allowing hotels to bid for a guest's stay. Meanwhile, Seatboost, with its live last-minute auctions, introduces an element of thrill and potential value for travelers. In essence, the goal of the relational trinity of travel is to shift from merely transactional interactions with travelers to creating more interactive, engaging experiences. By doing so, travel brands can foster deeper, longer-lasting relationships with their customers. Yeah, fair point. And I think that's a very comprehensive overview. Thank you, Etienne Wen. However, there's one thought that comes to mind, and I think we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves here because many of these relational products and services, even though they're fascinating, they aren't entirely revolutionary, are they? I think flight passes or subscriptions, I mean, they, they've been around for decades, right? I, I recall American Airlines introducing something similar back in the late 70s, early 80s. That's a valid observation, Leonard. In fact, American Airlines did introduce the AR Pass in 1981, precursor to many of the subscription models that we see today. So for a substantial one-time payment, it granted unlimited travel to its holders, and you are spot on. Examples like cashback programs, gift cards, promotional codes, these have been foundational elements of consumer engagement since the 1970s and 1980s. However, what distinguishes the present offerings from the past is what I would like to call the digital first pivot, Today's technological advancements would allow companies to seamlessly blend and adopt various relational products and ensure that they're tailor-made for evolving traveler needs. The present generation of solutions that we see today are characterized by their nimbleness, their adaptability, and their data-driven insights, all of which cater especially to the digital-first habits of millennials and Gen Z. So while the foundational idea might not be brand new, its contemporary manifestation certainly is, driven by digital capabilities that we did not possess a few decades ago. Yeah, I see where you're coming from with the digital-first approach. At this point, let's shift gears a little bit and shift to our subtrend number two. Absolutely, Leonard. So let's quickly dive into the second major subtrend. We are now looking at the emergence of super apps that are bridging the gap between travel and everyday life. The transition from sporadic transactions to enduring relationships in the travel space is evident in the rise of these applications. We are looking at a shift in the paradigm from merely curating loyalty during trips to creating a continuous sort of relationship or bond by integrating travel offerings into the daily habits and needs of consumers. The brilliance of these super apps really lies in their ability to shape their ecosystems, which not only amplifies the touch points with their consumers, but also engages them across a plethora of services and experiences. These apps would tie together everything into a cohesive, captivating, and perpetually pertinent user journey. To put this into better perspective, consider two examples from Asia, Yanoja 
and AirAsia, both of which have paved very unique routes to sort of combining travel and super app functionalities. So in the case of Yanoja, they acquired another Korean startup called Enterpark in 2021, and that allowed the company to expand its horizons into outbound and inbound foreign tourism. The implications of this acquisition actually ran much deeper because not only did it solidify Yanoja's status as a local travel titan, it also rocketed the company onto the global super app stage, particularly within the B2B hotel software sector. Yanoja is a prime example of fusing travel services within a seamless platform, and it sort of reveals how methodical expansion can generate a comprehensive service bouquet that touches numerous aspects of the traveler journey. In the case of AirAsia, we have seen how it metamorphosized from an airline into its current iteration, Capital A, which offers multi-faceted offerings through its super app, linking travel really with an array of supplementary services. Take AirAsia Digital, for example, with its cross-border logistics arm teleport, its digital banking segment, BigPay. These have all been instrumental in helping AirAsia diversify its revenue channels. When we look at their earnings report for the first quarter of 2021, we see that, this, that these digital services actually contributed a significant 36% to the AirAsia Group's revenue. This transition vividly demonstrates the potential of meticulously designing a portfolio that surpasses the primary offering producing an all-encompassing platform that remains persistently relevant and captivating for its users. So this move towards integrating travel with daily life, facilitated by super apps, is what I feel an exciting evolution that reshapes how consumers perceive and engage with travel brands. Fair point, fair point. And while I'm also generally intrigued by the dynamics of super apps in kind of bridging travel with daily living, I think it's also essential to temper our, our enthusiasm a little bit here again, because notably even established brands such as Capital A have faced stumbling blocks, right? Their decision, for example, to shutter Air Asia Food this year, despite its vast presence in several Asian markets, is kind of a testament also to the unpredictability and the challenges inherent in this space. Also, I feel like the widespread applicability of super apps, especially outside Asia, is another you know, aspect that, that demands our critical exploration. But let's not get stuck on that point. I think the undeniable attractiveness of super apps certainly remains. Now, shifting gears again, let's dive into the final subtrend you mentioned as part of your analysis. Tell me more about this intriguing ownership spectrum. That sounds pretty fancy when we look at the terminology. For sure, Leonard. So as the travel sector evolves, we are witnessing the rise of the ownership spectrum. It's essentially a paradigm that is anchored in what we call collaborative consumption. The post-pandemic Zguys has amplified the value of experiences over mere ownership. Platforms championing shared and fractional ownership models have gained traction, reflecting a world where consumers prioritize experiences and look for avenues to optimize asset utility. That's it, the ownership spectrum is not a monolithic concept, but rather a spectrum of different models, varying in different degrees of ownership and accessibility. So the brilliance of the ownership spectrum really lies in its adaptability and the myriad ways that modern sort of travel brands utilize it to fuse transactional and relational elements and therefore enhancing the overall travel experience. On the whole, we see that ownership models display an sort of undying spirit or rather enduring appeal, magnifying consumer access to premium assets and aiding businesses in maximizing their assets utility. 
Thank you, Tianwen. And I think as insightful as your explanations on the ownership spectrum have been, I think for those wanting a more comprehensive grasp kind of of the concept, including a range of examples, it would be immensely beneficial to direct them to your full analysis on TNMT, because I think this also works from a visual perspective much easier if people see the framework in front of them. However, given our limited time today, we can't really dive into all the details and examples that paint the complete picture. So I would say we wrapped it up. Are there any final words for our listeners on this trend that you want to share before we get to the end? Certainly, Leonard. It's, it's definitely paramount to understand that as travel undergoes a monumental shift from a predominantly transactional sphere to a deeply relational one, we're really just witnessing the beginning. This transformation is redefining loyalty. It's really emphasizing products and experiences that capture consumers' attention across diverse touch points and also integrate effortlessly into their daily lives. So the age-old notion of ownership will undergo a radical transformation, broadening its horizons and ensuring that by pivoting from tangible assets to unparalleled experiences, travel brands can extract the maximum value from their resources. Thank you, Tianwen, for such a thought-provoking pitch on the future of travel. To our listeners, we are coming to an end. Thank you for joining us today. We truly hope you'll tune in again as we delve into the final trend of our The Great Inversion research series very soon. Until then, as always, stay curious and see you next time.